What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on David Urquhart. He is the head coach of the McGill men's team in Montreal, Canada. So, David, welcome. Great to be here. Uh, Excited to dig into your background a little bit, but then also some of the research and how you've approached things, because you're quite a student of the game uh, and specifically into more so the side of psychology, culture, making sure you're creating a good quality environment for athletes. So uh, we start there at your master's. So I was I was lucky enough to complete a master's degree while I was an assistant full time assistant coach at McGill, Uh, studied uh, sports psychology funny enough, I did an undergrad in business commerce and coming around. I was always coming around to sports psych after that. I was always interested in the, in the leadership side of things in, in business and how to run good companies and, and the organizational structure of, of well-run companies that, that were successful over long periods of time. And, and there's a lot of commonalities in sport as well. So uh, part of that master's research was was looking at successful coaches, coaches that have won multiple championships in university hockey. And, and as a coach myself, it, it was great to learn from, from the people I got to interview. Got to interview eight coaches from, from Canada and the U.S. and from men's and women's sport. And it was it really, really, I found it, uh, myself really lucky to be able to, to sit down with those people. And you can't sit down with, with great coaches and not learn something. So it was, it was a great experience. So from that, what, what are some things that you've taken from them and made your own? Because obviously you just can't take it, rip it out and turn it around, turn key style. You have to make it your own in some capacity. I'm curious, what are some of those lessons, some of those commonalities that came about? First thing that comes to mind is one of the coaches talked about getting the right people on the bus and getting them in the, the right seats. And as my first year coaching at McGill, you know, it takes some time to to find out those people, the right people uh, in the right seats. And and when you do get them in those seats, it, and it, it makes a big difference in terms of execution of play and, and the success you have on the ice. And the, the, when people talk about culture, it's a word that's often often overused. But you think about the, the mix of people that are in the dressing room and, and the chemistry of the group and and when people are in their right roles and they understand their their expectations and they have clear plans for for what what their uh, what they can do in their roles, they they tend to want to succeed and they tend to to push the, push the team in the right direction. So you would say defining of roles is extremely important. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that comes out. 
defining the role um, in terms of overall success? Is that, is that, uh, is that what you're referring to? Uh, I'm being very open-ended on purpose. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's the, the finding roles is, is very important and then also fit in terms of, uh, you know, how, how the team's values align with, with the values of the players on the team. And you, as a, as a coach in university hockey, you get to set, you get to set those values of, of overall for, for the team and the organization, a little bit different in, in pro sports where, where you have general manager, you have, uh, you have head coaches, you have some, some different uh, organizational structure. Whereas in university hockey and NCAA and, and U sports, it's the coaches generally like the CEO and he's the guy that, that brings, brings the people in. He has the last call and who's, who's coming into the, to the team, uh, who's, who's going to be part of that program and, and not only the players, but also the staff. And when you're, when you're choosing staff and you're choosing players, it's, uh, there's a, there's a fit that's involved in both. And if, if you have people that are echoing the same sentiments as the head coach, as, as you know, the assistant coach, if the support staff all the way through, if they have the, an aligned message, then that's getting passed on to the players. It's going to be consistent. When you have consistent messaging, you'll often have consistent results. And if it's the right messaging, hopefully it's successful results. Right. So, um, and if you're bringing in the right people who are, who are talented hockey players, that's, that's part of it. And, and for us, a uh, big part of it is being, being really good student athletes. So uh, we look at both sides of that at McGill and, and always looking to bring in great, great students and, and great players. Well, you're going to have those great students and great players for uh, more than one year. So I'm curious about the internal leadership development that needs to happen, whether that be just like a personal leadership, like leading yourself or leading others. I'm, I'm curious what that looks like for you or what are maybe some important uh, keys to that development process? Well, the, the personal leadership development, that, that's the first part of it. And as a coach, you want to be able to, to set the example and, and be able to, to walk the talk. And it's the same for the leaders in, in, on the team. So if you're a veteran player, whether or not you have, you have a, a C or an A on your Jersey, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be some, there's going to be someone on that team that's, that's looking up to you. And so that personal leadership, the first step in that is, 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 bringing your best effort every day. And part of that things that we, that align with our team values and from, from our perspective is talk about a, a few things. And one of them is you, you come every day to get better. So you, you go to get better every day, you bring an exceptional work ethic and you enjoy the journey. So those are three, those are three things from a personal level that you can be a leader in each of those areas. And it's something that everyone can accomplish. Um, and, you mind repeating those real quick? So I, I got that you come to work with the goal to improve and enjoy the journey. What was the third one? And have an exceptional work ethic. And it, if you bring those, that's the environment that you're creating uh, for the people around you as well. So if you have an exceptional work ethic, you're, 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 pressure, you're, you're, uh, you're challenging the person next to you to succeed. So if you're and that, that shows up in practice, so in individual drills, one-on-one drills, then, then that's, that's where, you know, that allows you to set a higher standard. And if you're getting better 
you're you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and you're improving, then it's your standards for the team are going to continue to rise over time. Uh, and then the other part for being a leader is accountability and having accountability partners within the team. And often that's the captains and the assistants who are holding the their teammates accountable. And then it's also the coaching staff's responsibility to hold the players accountable to the standards of the team and setting the standard at a high enough level where it's pushing them outside, outside of their comfort zone to a point where they're improving on a daily basis, but not too far that, that they're going to get uh, discouraged and, and not continue to, to make strides towards getting better. Um, and then, and then another thing that's important, I would say from the, from the player's perspective is, is being a mentor and, and modeling the behaviors that that you want within your your team and and so you yourself have to be the model of of what you expect. So if 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 you're not getting the results that you want, the first thing that that you should look at is yourself to say, well, am I am I demonstrating the things that that we need, or is that in line with where we want the team to go? Um, and part of that is, is being a good teammate, right? Being a, being a friend, a good teammate, but it, there's, there's always a challenge for the guys to say, well, where's the line between being a good teammate and friend and holding the guy accountable. And, and that's where, you know, it, it's, they don't always understand that holding the guys accountable is being a good teammate and being a good friend. And then that's when you have that and you have an environment inside the dressing room where, where guys are willing to make mistakes, willing to learn, willing to push themselves and each other, then, then you're in a position where they're going to get the best out of themselves and each other. And sometimes it doesn't always mean winning, but that, that means reaching your, your full potential as a team. Yeah. I love that. I, I call them uh, accountability buddies. That, <laughs> that way they hold each other accountable. They're the accountability buddies. Uh, like yeah. That. Love it. And then um, the second part that you mentioned, and I think we can dive into a little bit deeper is, is what I call the difference between kind and being nice. Being nice is like, oh, everything's looking great. And when someone has something in their teeth and now oh, you're looking good, like that's nice. Kind would be like, hey, you got something in your teeth there. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want that person to go through the rest of the day with something on their teeth. Now, obviously that that's a PG rated version. There's many different versions you can relate uh, in the rest of your life. But I would say I'd rather be kind and have people who are kind because we are gently pushing each other in the correct direction while having some niceness to it rather than just being nice and like, haha, and not having the accountability to go with it. So I, I, I love that. Um, what are some ways that you like to hold people accountable? Cause you don't want to do it in a way that turns people off. And I always say when you're coaching, whatever you do is either going to add pressure or it's going to add permission with the culture. Like, are you going to let something slide and give that permission? Or are you going to crack down on it and put pressure and then finding the balance between the two? It, it starts with creating the environment where players are, are know that they're going to make mistakes because everybody makes mistakes in games and practices and understanding that the, the coaching staff and their teammates are there to, to help them reach their goals and help them get to a point where, where they're improving to, to improve from those mistakes. And like you're saying, well, being nice or kind, like it's, it's being the, the thing that's best for the team. If you think about the, the, the ultimate goal is to make the team better for the coach, for the, for the teammates uh, is 
if you're making the team better then that that's holding, holding your teammate accountable. And if you're not, it, you're not making the team better. And understanding that as a whole, as a group, then that kind of makes it easier to say, okay, well, well you didn't stop at the net there, you know, get, get it next time. And if your teammates saying it, but that you know yourself that you, that you didn't do it, but knowing that, you know, there's that personal accountability that knowing that I didn't do it, there's accountability to your teammate knowing that, that they did do it and, and the coach as well. But when it's, there's uh, and I'll, I'll bring it back to one of the, one of the stories that one of the, uh, the NCAA coaches told me uh, was that, uh, you know, they had a, they had a player, uh, a first year player and, and their team captain on a workout and their strength coach was in, in, the, in the room when they're riding the bike. And, you know, the, the strength coach got a call. He had to get out of the room and, that first year player, as soon as the strength coach left, he stopped, stopped working out, stopped putting forth an effort. And the captain right away just started lacing into him and saying, Hey, that, that's not what we do here. You know, we're here, we're here to get better. It's you're doing this not for you, for your teammates. And then when the strength coach came back in, he saw that the captain was, was laying into the guy. And he just, he, he just, you know, didn't say anything because it was, it was taken care of. And, when, when you have a team like that, when you have an environment like that, where the players are holding each other accountable to the standard that's set by the coach and from the team from the previous years, that's when things are going well. That's when things are going right. So they have to feel comfortable enough. They have to have that permission in, from the leadership perspective, from the leadership group to, to take that into their hands. And, and in order to do that, they have to have clear understanding of what the standards are as well. So from the coach's perspective, it's important to set the standard, hold hold the, the players accountable to the standard, and then from uh, like at, in, from my personal experience, being being that just finishing first year as a, as the head coach back at McGill is is uh, you know being consistent with that standard, and and now that we have players that understand what it is from from playing for a year, that they can start passing that on and being mentors. To the younger players on the team and that mentorship and, and modeling the behaviors that's a lot stronger than the coach saying hey you didn't stop at the net uh, it, it's a lot stronger when your captain stops at the net every single time because you know when Sidney Crosby is doing it every single time and you're that first year player for the Pittsburgh Penguins you know the coach says hey just just look at that guy right and that's the reason why they they're there every year. That's the reason why they went. They, they have great leadership. So uh, I think that that would be it for, for that point. Yeah. I feel like that's probably a commonality uh, that you probably found was the fact that there was a player or two that were exceptional examples and drove the bus. Like I, I always say that rather than the freshmen picking up the pucks and grabbing the water bottles, it should be the captains or the seniors that year. Like the older guys should take care of it. The new guys are trying to get acclimated enough. They don't need an extra stressor on there. Like if they're showing the right behaviors, like it just, it's the difference between a program that is sustainable versus one that is not is once the players start taking the ownership uh, of, of the standards. And uh, I'm a big Steelers fan, you know, originally from that area. So uh, yeah, the standard is the standard. Everyone models it. We're all good. Yeah, I like that. And, and that's the, the sweep the sheds from the New Zealand All Blacks as well, right? That's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you clean the dressing room, you made the mess, you clean it up, right? It's it's not on one guy, it's on it's on everybody, right? So it's that that team, that all about the team. 
Yep. Well, talking about the team and habits, I'm, I'm curious of the culture of practice. So from your experience, you know, what is a good culture of practice look like? What is the right culture to continuously improve? Uh, Cause there's so many ways that you see teams run practice. I'm curious what that is for you. Well, it's a, a habits. If in one word, that's, that's what I would say. And luckily enough in my role, I get to go and watch some other teams practice too. watch, watch some major junior teams practice when we're recruiting players. And, and it's fun watching other coaches practice, uh, how they run things and, and you learn from them. You can take some drills, uh, make, adjust them, make them your own. And or, or the, or the opposite. You have your anti-mentor where you're like, ah, I really wouldn't do it that way. This is yeah. terrible. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so that's, that's, um, you know, that's part of it is just the learning process, but in terms of, you know, what's, what's the culture of practice and it's, it's developing the right habits. And uh, I really, I really like following a couple of guys on Twitter, uh, David Goggins and Jocko Willink and, and they're, they're, uh, you know, they talk a lot about habits and they say everything is habit forming. And so, you know, if you're doing something right, you're forming good habits, but if you're doing something wrong, you're also forming a habit in the wrong way. So that shows up, you know, in simple things and coaches talk about it all the time, you know, stopping at the net, you know, backtracking hard on pucks, hitting the net, making passes on the tape, all those little things. Those are all examples of within practice to say, well, that's, that's the standard. That's, that's the expectation. And, and it's every day, right. And, and the, and the work ethic, it's, you know, it's a habit when you do it, all the time and it's hard so that first practice of the year is, is a time when you know that's you set the example and you're hoping that your veteran players are, are those guys that are that are leading the leading the charge on that and then also you know the mistakes are part of it so if there's a challenging drill or it's you know you're learning some some new system stuff and it's you know mistakes are going to happen so you got to learn from them Right. And how you approach that is, is, is important too. So, uh, and that takes a little bit of time to, for some players coming from different environments, they might, might feel like they're being attacked and each, each player, they, they like to be coached in a different way and understanding your players and when to approach it. Some, some approach it on video, some approach it right away. Um, that, that, that's an important part of it. Uh, but, but, you know, that culture practice, you want to create situations that are game-like, want to have high intensity, want to make it, uh, you know, recreate pressure, high pressure situations if possible. So that when you get to those situations in games, you've seen it before. And that's, that's the fun thing. That's the challenging thing. Uh, when you do that in, in, in university hockey, specifically you're playing last game. So if you can recreate some of those situations and uh, that you might not see every day, then when you get to them, you tend to have more success because under high pressure situations in games, you, you revert to your training. I like this a lot. Um, I'm a big fan of habit development practice. I'm, I'm curious, do you write out these habits that you're looking to form? How do you approach it? Do you have just like the why behind the drill as you're doing it? Uh, or is this just something you're preaching as you're going along and slowly and surely layering that in? One of the things is the soundbite that is I like to find one or two keywords that can stick and, and how do you make it stick? So 
if you have a drill, stop at the net, hit the net. Uh, but different different keys for for each drill. So um, the the shorter and more concise you can be, the easier it is to remember, and you can go back and repeat on those things. So there is there is keys, you know, for each drill within each one. Uh, they're all purposeful when you're creating a practice. Uh, it tends to be you're looking at looking at what you're doing from the week before in the, in the games and, and the, looking at the week ahead and saying, okay, what do we need to improve on? Um, and, you know, the, that can kind of tie into the, the mental side of it as well is, is that, that, you know, if you want to have repetition, you want to have a keyword, you don't have to think too much because when, when you, when you get to that situation in the game, you want it to be, you want to react and you don't have to think. And so that, that when you get those go through it more and more in practice, then you can react quicker in games. Another thing from practice that you and I are very high on uh, abnormally high on is angling. I, I know that we are a big, big fan of angling. Well, uh, I like to even approach it from the offensive side. Like how do you break down someone who's trying to angle you curious where that came from? And, and maybe there's an aha moment. Maybe it's just something you've always had. And you curious why you love angling so much. It's a really important part of the game. And, maybe didn't think about it as much in previous years, but going back to watching other teams practice and did, uh, I was asked to do a presentation for hockey Eastern Ontario. And they mentioned that it was one of the deficiencies in, in the organization is for, for the young, young guys and, and for the young coaches, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to teach. And I tell you the truth, it didn't have a, put a whole lot of thought into it before it was just part of the game. And then when you start thinking about it and breaking it down to different elements, it's there's things to it. And going back to the keywords, you know, you want to have an early stick position that so, so like if it's an early stick, you want to match speed and you want to finish in front. So like when you're going back to okay, what, what are the habits of practice? How do you describe things? And if you can have those couple key key points, keywords, and you're not standing at the board explaining it for 20 minutes or or two minutes or three minutes, like you don't, you want to get through that practice pretty fast. And if you can get a couple of those key points in, uh, it's it's important. But if you look at the game, there's angling on on every play. You, you'll and if you can influence the puck to one side or another, you can help your teammates anticipate. And if if you anticipate well, you can probably get the puck back defensively and uh, keep keep the other teams in, in bad areas of the ice and as the season has gone this past year, spent more time thinking about it, spent more time practicing it. And it showed up in different variations of drills. And, and really it was it, it, it watching three different junior teams practice. They all, they all had it as part of their practice. And that was kind of the, the light bulb event for me saying, all right, well, this is, you know, they're doing it at the junior level and in, you know, the minor hockey level, they're, they're talking about it a little bit more. It, and, and, we still need to do it. It's, it's a big part of it. So uh, it's one of those things that as you get older, it doesn't change. It's, it's just as important. And uh, as you get older to university hockey, it's, it's even more important to revisit some of those, those little details of the game that might not be as fun to practice, but it's fun when you have the puck and when you get the puck back. So that's, that's the, that's the carrot at the, at the end of that one. Yeah. And especially with 
just how skating physically operates over uh, being able to like run in many different areas, like skating, you kind of get locked in on certain movements. So angling is extra important because otherwise your skates will be jammed somewhere and the other person will be behind you and gone and, and you're nothing but uh, a traffic cone. So I, yeah, I, I've always found the angling, everyone thinks about it as maybe like a four check, but the more you watch, as you, you said, like it just shows up in so many different elements, cutting ice. I feel like there's a lot of underrated of players that they force how the game is played just by the angles they take and the rest of us just happen to operate in that and you can you can add on to that stuff too right like the skating aspect so we say match your match the speed but that's not easy to do when someone's skating full speed directly at you so what approach do you take what type of skating is involved in that approach what type of skating is involved in when you have your speed matched and you want to keep it and so he doesn't cut inside. So the player, he or she doesn't cut inside on you. Uh, you know, there's, there's some, some skills within that skill that take a little bit of time. And, and uh, that's, you know, the, that's the, uh, the nuances of it that, that are, that are the challenge. The stick, when do you flip the stick from one side to the other? Uh, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different little elements to it that even, uh, you know, as my uh, getting, uh, as a coach, uh, when, when I was my first uh, camp, when I was with San Diego in the American League, got, got to watch NHL training camp. And one of the first drills they did in their practice was an angling drill. And it's amazing that even NHL veterans of many years had their stick in the wrong position and were getting beat. And, you know, it just it shows the importance of it to say, OK, well, after a summer off, you got to get back to the little details and, and going back to the culture of practices. The culture of practice is, you know, you haven't practiced in four months after the summer and some bad habits sink in from, from summer hockey and training. And, and those are the details that you got to get back those little details uh, of the game, things like even just you know, the type of passing, passing it on the stick and hitting the net and all those things that they add up those little details over the course of a, of a game of a season and uh, those the frequency of those events so if you if you miss you know you're not you're not deliberate in your your passing so you miss you know uh, one or two passes in practice you miss your rep all of a sudden you miss your rep you don't get the shot on goal your teammate doesn't get the shot on goal uh that that adds up in terms of your development but then in the game you know over the course of the season if you can have two or three more good passes in a game and that allows your teammate to get an extra shot, two or three shots a game, or it lets you to get two or three more shots a game over a season in the NHL. That's 80, 80 games. You know, it's, if it's three more shots, uh, you know, that's a, a lot more scoring chances that you're going to get for yourself and the team. So those are the little details in practice. You say the culture, it's like, okay, we want to be, we want to be good. We want to be deliberate with what we're doing uh, in terms of the drill design, but then also, within the execution of the drill and the, and the execution of the, the habits within those drills, it's important. And going back to angling, the habits within the drills of the angling, okay, so we have a good stick. What does that mean? What does that look like? That's gonna take a little bit of time. We, we wanna we have good skating. So what does that look like? That's gonna take a little time. And everyone's not gonna be on the same playing field uh, with, with that stuff. So uh, it'll take some more time to, to regain those habits for some guys. And, and uh, with us, we got guys that are coming in in their first year, that maybe haven't been exposed to some of this stuff as often. And it, that's, you know, that's part of the fun, fun of coaching and spend a little bit of time and being able to evaluate what, what's needed uh, 
to bring them up to speed for, for, for university hockey. Yeah. I mean, the, the little things become the big things, especially when you start to add them all up. Uh, it's, it's massive, absolutely massive. Can't, can't stress that enough to everyone listening in on finding details. And I feel like that's one of the biggest compliments you hear from a coach, man. He's oh, so just, he or she's got such a detailed game. Like it's, it's so big, especially if you're trying to, you know, maybe work your way into a lineup and stay there for a long time. De- details will get it done. Um, and we've been talking a lot about habits with these details. I'm curious about some of the off ice habits and training, um, that we're doing because there's so much, like if you, if you go with the team, everyone gets the same access for the most part in practice. Uh, maybe there's a little bit difference in the game, but the, the real major difference maker is going to be what happens away from the rink off the ice in preparation and building up all these habits and all these details. Um, curious for you talking about off ice habits and training. What, what does that look like when we're talking about habits, training in season habits, training off season? One of the deficiencies that came up uh, when talking with, with guys from pro is fit overall strength in in fitness and so when we're talking about you know off ice off season stuff that's where you're able to build your foundation for that so players making the jump from junior to pro from the american league to the nhl at each of those levels and from junior to to university or college there's there's a massive jump up in in terms of the physicality and, and and the strength of the players and if you're going from junior to, to college and university, you're playing against men. And it's the same thing from junior to pro and then from the NHL or from the American League to, to the NHL. It's, it's guys who, who have been there for a long time and, and they've done it and, and you know, they, they, they do things really well and they have their process in order. So that first aspect in terms of, you know, what are the habits in the offseason? It's, it's building a foundation to be able to play at or near your peak for the entire season. And that's, you know, it's different for everybody in terms of what type of player they are and what type of uh, um, uh, expectations they have within the game. But the, what's not different is the, the approach. So the habit would be, you know, what's your, you know, what's your plan? Like develop a plan early in the summer, sit down with, with the coaching staff and say, okay, here's, here's the, the areas that are our strengths, let's continue to build on these. Here's some areas that we'd like to continue to improve that we've shown some improvement on. And then here's some deficiencies that, that will help you going forward and then targeting those. And, and, and then using that as, you know, again, you being deliberate in, in your action, but deliberate in your training. Uh, but one of the messages for, for our guys, especially we had, we had a lot of first and second year guys is that, you know, the guys who are successful in, in our league are guys that are strong. They're guys that as they get to 23 and 24 and 25 years old, they've put in the work and they're consistent in their off ice training during the season and in the off season. So building strength in the off season and then within the season, being able to maintain that uh, for what, for whatever way, whatever way they can. So with university players called university college players, they have an opportunity at least a couple of days a week to get in, uh, uh, some sort of lift um, and still be able to play play their games. Whereas in pro and in, in major junior, it's, it tends to be there. There's a lot of games, so it's so it's a little bit tougher. Um, 
but yeah, those, those off ice habits, what I say is that, you know, do they align with where you want to be as a player? So if you want to be a better skater, do your off ice off season habits align with that? Are you working on your flexibility? Are you working on your leg strength? Are you, um, are you working with a skating coach? If they're not and you show up at camp and you think you're going to be a better skater, well, it might happen, but you know, it, you stack the deck in your favor if you're doing doing the work and putting it in and, and, be, and, and taking positive action towards things that, that need to get you where you need to go. And eventually, if you have the habits that will align with where you want to go with your goals and, and the type of player that you expect to be, you're going to get there. It might not happen in the summer. It might happen in three or four or five years. Right? It, it, it doesn't necessarily happen that quickly for some people, but those are the things of, of, of the persistence and staying with it and, and, and continuing on the pathway towards your, towards your goals. But in the off season, you know, the off season is, you know, you got to mix in some, some overall athleticism is, is very important to avoid injury during the year. Talk often about, and, and this is, you know, from, from personal experience as a player, that it's it's a total total picture thing it's you know you gotta now there's so much support for athletes in, in different ways that it's not just weightlifting. it's you know you got your plyometrics you get your, your your if you if you can run and you can bike and you can swim and you, you can do yoga and meditate like those are all those are all things that that make you overall better athlete and playing different sports especially for for young uh young athletes it's it makes you better as you get older, it makes your body better as you get older, be, be able to adapt to different situations. And, and those are things that are, that are always important. No matter, no matter how old you get is, is you want to be able to be, to be dynamic and be able to adapt and playing other sports is, is great for that. And it, and it keeps you fresh too, in terms of wanting to get back to start the season. Man, you just dropped so many good nuggets in there. Um, talking about building a foundation of fitness. I mean, that, there's a major competitive advantage, just consistently putting in the work to building a fitness base. Um, you talked about developing a plan. And more importantly, within that plan, do your habits align with your goals? I think that that is something important because how many people you hear, they just work really hard, but maybe they're not hitting the marks that they need to or working at the right plan. It's like climbing a ladder, but it's all, you know, leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> You're not going where you need to go. Um, so I think that's hap That's awesome. And then the third thing is that something may not happen in the summer, but persistence pays. So like, for example, I remember having a player and his movement patterns were terrible, which just based on that, like he couldn't physically do the footwork needed for the skating. So like the skating was the second piece. So he first year worked on getting movement patterns, strength and conditioning, got that. And then the next year he was finally able to work on the skating. And if he didn't do it in that order and had that plan, which would have been an absolute disaster trying to do it. Um, so having that plan, uh, being able to stick with it for over a year, I feel like it's very hard for a lot of athletes, but the ones that can do it, uh, it definitely pays off. Uh, that long-term plan really does. So, the next place I want to take this conversation is around what you've learned this past season. Now you've, you've coached in professional hockey. You've 
been around NCAA hockey or uh, CIS in your case here. So I'm curious what you've learned along the journey. And then more importantly, from this first year at McGill, what's that been like? The standard is that that would be the, the first thing that comes to mind. And the standard is what you accept. And I, I remember someone telling me this, I think it was, I was reading a book on training dogs and uh, recently got a, a, a puppy. So I was reading this, this book and they were talking about, well, the standard, the dog is going to do, and I'm not comparing players to dogs, but, but uh, the dog is, is going to do what you, what you allow it to do. Right. And if, if you, if you set a standard, it will follow that standard and you can see it really fast when you're training, training a puppy, because uh, it's, they're going to go wherever they want unless you can kind of reel them in and slowly teach them and and help them grow. And uh, there's two, two methods too, you know, like the, the, the method that, that I subscribe to and similar to with the players is, you know, you want to, you want to reward positive behavior. So with, while I was training, training, the training, the dog, it's, you know, they're doing something right. You catch them doing it right away. And, and you hear coaches talk about it all the time and, and it's true and, but never really saw it apply as quickly as possible as, as it did with, with the dog, because it was like, all right, so sit, as soon as they sit, you can give one. So then all of a sudden they want, they want another, they want another treat. So as soon as, as soon as they do it, they're going to do it. And it happened so fast with, with the dog. And I think I became a better coach just going through that process at the same time as, as with the team, because it's, you know, at times during the year, probably, and there's a tendency for all coaches, you can catch guys, you, you can see all the mistakes the team's making, right? Like every, in every team we said, every, everyone's going to make mistakes and you want to improve from them. Then you want to create the environment where, where people are, you know, they want to improve from the mistakes, but you got to model the correct behavior first. So making sure that was kind of an eye opener to say, all right, well, you, we lost seven in a row in the first half of the year. And so as a coach, you're reflecting, you say, what can you do better? And you say, well, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe it's, you know, catch the guys doing it right. Like they, they, they're all good hockey players. They all know what to do. Let, let's, 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 let's celebrate the good behaviors. Let's, let's celebrate the things that they're doing right. And we'll see where that goes and, and see if that can then create some, some positive cycles where we're, we're trying to recreate all those good things. And, and we had success in the second half of the year from, not necessarily just that, you know, we've learned, learned from the process as well. And, and, uh, but that was, that was great. So like, you know, those, you learn from outside of your life as well. Like you're not just coaching hockey. And uh, so learned a lot from the dog training book. <laughs> That's Maybe awesome. A coach. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so important. How many coaches when they watch film, they just point out all the things that were wrong and just take, take it to negative town. And it's like, uh, I don't know about you, but anytime I receive bad news or feedback, like, first thing is like, huh, how can I suddenly get better? It's like, how can I avoid this? And then you stop making plays and then you kind of go into a shell rather than what you said, when you start rewarding good behavior, pointing out things that are happening, right. Now there's more freedom. They're making better decisions. You know, like the shackles are falling off as they say, that's awesome. That's a great story. Um, is there any other lessons you've learned along the way? What, like, what would be some of the biggest coaching influences on you that you try to take forward? Um, you know, whether that be guys you worked under or just people you've learned from the outside or mentors in general. The mentorship 
aspect is very important. And I'm really lucky in, in the role that I'm in now to have some, some great mentors in, in, uh, just around hockey. And, and the, one, the one that I speak with most often uh, is Marty Raymond. And he's, he's a coach that uh, he, was, he was the head coach at McGill when I played and he went on from there to, to coach in, in as an assistant in the NHL with Tampa Bay and, and Ottawa. And he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. And I turned to him for those in those tough moments. Uh, and aside from that, you know, lucky to also have, have some other, other mentors that are around the McGill program as well. Peter Smith, you and I had talked about before he was the coach of the women's team. And, and then as a, as a coach from, from pro hockey was, was really, lucky to to work with some outstanding coaches and learn from them uh Dallas Eakins was the head coach uh, when I started and, and Sylvain Lefebvre was the assistant and both those guys just being in the room with them and watching them and and seeing how they do things Dallas in terms of creating culture he, he's outstanding with that and spends a lot of time with um, building that and, and and he he was really good and and, and uh in Sylvan's approach, his daily approach to helping helping the D-man get better was, you know, just being around those guys helped a lot. And then, and then uh, Kevin Denis was head coach for two, for two years there in, in San Diego. And he was a guy that, you know, with a, a, a wide breadth of uh, experience in, in gold medal or the Stanley Cup. Uh, for, and, you know, there's a reason why those guys have success. And, and you look and you try to learn from them. And so you look at mentors, this, this idea, uh, is, you know, having somebody that, that can help you in those difficult situations. So you're not on an Island as a coach, I think is really important because, because some coaches can get in these, in these roles in this, in situations where it's, it's a tough job. It can be pretty lonely and, you know, you need someone to talk to that that's been through it and can kind of guide you through the tough times. And so those mentors, people that you can actually physically talk to are, are great. And then, th- then there's other mentors from afar as well that you can look at and say like, Oh, like in different sports. And uh, I like watching other sports, like watching soccer and, and look at coaches in, in, in European soccer and say, Hey, like that's cool. Like, like they're, they're doing something different. You can be inspired, inspired from them. So, you know, there's that, that mentorship that's, actual that physical somebody that you can meet and talk to and really get down and talk about some x's and o's and and and, you know leadership development that sort of stuff but then also to say from afar to say okay well these guys are having success let's take a closer look how's he doing an interview how is he answering that question if he's answering the question like that how are his players reacting you know and those are the things that are interesting to watch uh, and you watch great coaches, uh, guys, guys are around different leagues that have won and have had success. And, you know, they have, they have an ability to inspire their players. And, and often if you listen to the message that from the players and you listen to the message from the coach, it's, it's a line. So that means, you know, the message in the dressing room is coming out in, in the public as well. And those guys tend to be, be able to get out in front of some of the more difficult problems that, that can occur out in public. And, you know, in, in college and in, in university hockey, it's not necessarily as you're not a, a, under under fire in the, in the public domain as often. Uh, but it, it's fun to look at those situations and learn from them as well. Yeah, that's couldn't have been said any better. I think Don Granado uh, right now, what he's doing at Buffalo and all the messages that are coming out of that locker room is absolutely fascinating. So I will 
double down on that aspect of like you can learn from afar uh but i'll also double down on the fact that it, it can get lonely at the top build up your your mentor base and uh yeah you, you're, you're gonna need that support system whether it be your wife uh or you know your partner or you know fellow coach or someone you've worked under in the past so 10 out of 10 i i, I revac approved as well i'm excited for mcgill <laughs> Uh, program here i I feel like you're going to do good work for a long time uh is that that the ultimate is uh continue to give back to the place they gave you so much yeah and and uh you know we've building off the conversation about mentors and marty was a mentor to me and had built the program up over a long period of time uh to a point where you in in uh you know college hockey you could have sustained success you bring in the right people and you, you can pass that culture on from player players down and, and from inside the dressing room. So looking to, to recreate the, uh, it with, with my own, uh, with my own footprint of, of some of the, some of the, the, the stuff that, that he and, and the coaches before me had built. Uh, and, and, uh, I was an assistant coach here with, with, uh, at, at McGill with, with, with Kelly knows who he's passed away, but another guy that, you know, working alongside and seeing the way they operate. And, and he, he was, he was able to carry on the culture here uh, and being able to, to kind of continue that. Uh, that's, you know, that's the goal and to build it up, to be a team that can compete for the nationals every year and have the best student athletes in the country. And, you know, we have you know, guys that, that are incredibly dedicated to school and, and, and hockey. And that's, it's fun. It's fun being around those guys. It's invigorating as a coach. Cause you know, two years after they leave, they're going to be way smarter than you and, <laughs> or, or probably before that. So, uh, so it, it's fun working with those guys and they, and they kind of seeing where they, where they end up a few years down the road. All right. Now we have a recruiting video all set to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so if you know any players in the area, we are always, uh, we're always looking Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll, I'll give you uh, a minute, two minutes, whatever you need to uh, get some shout outs, talk about whatever you want to talk about, et cetera, et cetera. Well, th- thanks, Greg, for having me on. appreciate it. Uh, no real shout outs, just, uh, you know, it's um, always, always looking uh, to connect with coaches and, and, and continue to share, share. It's, it's fun. Like as a coach, love talking to others and, and everyone's kind of going through the same thing and you're learning from each other and been lucky to be in some different coaching networks over the COVID break and got to learn and uh, learn from others and, and meet, meet a lot of interesting people. And, and uh, there's a lot of interesting people in this, in this business and it's, it, it's, it's a business or, you know, profession. It's, it's fun, right? We're lucky. We're lucky to be doing what we're doing and, and uh, you know, the players are to thank for that, but, but yeah, that's it. Just, uh, uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. Cheers. Cheers. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.